Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Maury Milliken, one of the elders here at Grace Bible Church. I'm so confused. Is it Thanksgiving or Christmas? I, I'm in between, but Elise rang the jingle bells, so that would tell us what. It's Christmas. We're going into Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you. We're glad you're here. Um, you know, a couple of, how about some humor to get us in the holiday spirit of joy? What's every parent's favorite Christmas carol? Silent night. Silent night. Those of you with little babies can say amen. We uh, had uh, my son and his wife and their two-year-old with us for a week. And we love silent nights. And uh, they're, they're, uh, preg she's pregnant with our next grandson, and he'll be a Christmas baby. But every parent loves uh, silent night, right? How do sheep say Merry Christmas in Mexico? Feliz Navidad. Feliz, Feliz Navidad. Get it? And what do you get when you mix a Christmas tree and an iPad? A pineapple. Pineapple. Get it? Pineapple. Okay. Wake up, folks. What did Adam say to his wife on Christmas when Christmas came around? It's finally Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Uh, we do want you to experience joy at Christmas, and uh, we're glad you're here today. As one of the elders, uh, I was asked to give kind of an update on the state of the church real quick before I get into the sermon, uh, and I just thought I would capture that with our name of our church, Grace Bible Church. Grace, we're all about grace, and we continue to see people find their way to God through the grace of Jesus Christ, Amen. We see people coming to the church, uh, lonely, hurting, seeking, uh, wanting more meaning, wanting life, needing forgiveness, needing uh, to um, mend relationships, uh, wanting to know their creator, be reconciled to God. And so we uh, are, are all about grace here at Grace Bible Church. Uh, we want people to experience the grace of the Lord. So whether it's in children's ministry, nursery, where Pastor Dave is being a servant leader this morning, or in youth ministry, or in our small groups, or here in the main sanctuary, or serving on a service team like uh, elders, deacons, uh, hospitality ministry, etc., we want our relationships to be characterized by grace. For it's by grace that we're saved through faith, and this is not of ourselves, not a result of works. It is the gift of God. And so grace is a gift to all of us. Grace Bible Church, Grace Bible, we believe in the Word of God. We encourage you, as our vision statement says on the bulletin, to grow deep and reach out. How do we grow deep? We grow deep by jumping into a small group. Join a small group. If you haven't found a small group yet, we encourage you to come out of uh, your individuality and isolation and find a small group where you can share the life of Jesus Christ with others. Linda and I, who are both caregivers and servant leaders out in the community, we need a place to recharge and, re and strengthen and renew, and we find that in our small group. And it's, very, it's probably the highlight of our week is getting together with our small group. Um, but there are lots of ways to serve, not just small groups. But small groups are just vital to uh, Grace Bible Church. Really encourage you to look at that. And then church, Grace Bible Church. Uh, our church is doing well. We are 
I, I think a couple of things I like about Grace Bible Church uh, is it's, it is it's more than the building, but this year we did improve our building. Isn't that awesome? We have a new building, and the best part about it to me is we did it debt-free. We didn't borrow any money. We didn't take out any loans. We paid for it with cash. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's the best kind of building program there is. And that's just representative of the uh, commitment, the values uh, of this community of believers. Uh, but it's more than a building. It is a building. The building facilitates uh, the fellowship of the believers. And so we, we, we love the growth that we see. And we encourage you to consider the second half of our vision, which is reach out. A lot of folks don't think that they are on a mission. They just think they're working a job. We encourage you to start thinking about how your job is more than just work. But it's your mission. It's what God has called you and equipped you to do. He's placed you there, and he wants you to reach out and impact others. So grow deep, reach out. Long before you ever invite somebody to church, right, you build a relationship with them. You want it to be authentic. You want it to be real. You want it to um, inspire them. You want to share the good things of the Lord with them. That's what leads people to, to church, Grace Bible Church. So praise God uh, for our staff, uh, for the elders, for the deacons, for all the service ministry teams uh, that, that facilitate, organize uh, ministry here at Grace Bible Church. And we just look forward to uh, transitioning into the new year and continuing our journey, follow, our, our shared journey together as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So today uh, we begin our series, Hope, Love, Joy, Peace. So today I'm going to talk about hope. But before I begin, let's uh, start with a prayer. Uh, thank you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for Grace Bible Church, uh, for the grace that you give us, for the truth of your word, for the fellowship of the saints. We pray now that you'll give us teachable hearts and minds and uh, help us to learn something today. I think most people just want to take away one thing. If it's more than that, great. But one thing we can apply to our lives today as we follow you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 2 is our text today. Luke chapter 2. You have the black Bibles in front of you. You can use your digital uh, Bible on your iPhone or your smartphone. I'm going to read actually today from the New International Version. It's very close to the ESV, but that's what I'm reading from. Luke chapter 2. And uh, this, this story... Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 is the birth narrative of Jesus. That's appropriate to read at Christmas, right? But uh, today we're going to look at two little stories within that story, the story of Simeon and the story of Anna, and look at how their lives model hope for us. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. 
When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of the Lord was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great story. Uh, I love the geographical movement. They're in Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel. But just a few days earlier, they were where? Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. But that's not where they lived, and that's not where they returned to. They lived in the little backwater town of Nazareth. So they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the census where Jesus was born, and a few days later traveled to Jerusalem to fulfill the requirements of Jewish law, presenting Jesus at the temple. And it's in this context that these two people come into Mary and Joseph and Jesus' lives, Simeon and Anna, to model for them and for us hope. What is hope? Here's my definition of hope. I'm not, I got to do this. I got to walk and chew gum at the same time. What is hope? Hope is a positive mindset of expectation sustained by a longing of the heart. A positive mindset of expectation sustained by a longing of the heart. You know, you can wake up every morning and you basically have two choices to make. You can say, ah, this is no different than any other day. Nothing special is going to happen. My life is not important. I'm just going through the motions. I don't really know where I'm going. I don't really know my purpose or my mission. I don't know if I'm loved or all that special. I'm just living, just existing. Or you can wake up every day and say, today's a new day with new possibilities. I'm loved. I'm called by God. Whatever comes my way, highs or lows, ups and downs, I know that God has a purpose for me, and he's leading me, and he's got something for me to do today, every day. He's got something for us to do. It's a positive mindset of expectation sustained by a longing of the heart. Now, the opposite of that is despair. 
What's despair? A negative mindset of unbelief, frustrated. Despairing people are not just depressed, they are frustrated by a disappointment of the heart. Who illustrates that for us? I'm thinking of the Grinch. Does everybody know the story of the Grinch? Right? Well, I love the uh, version of the story of the Grinch where Jim Carrey represents the, uh, the Grinch. You remember that one? And it, it gives us a little historical background on the development of the Grinch because it shows us what life was like as a little Grinch. When he was a little Grinch and he actually still had a heart. And he was going to school with all of his peers. Do you remember this? But he was different. So the other kids laughed at him and mocked him. And little by little, day by day, his heart became smaller and smaller and smaller until he had no heart at all. And that's the origins of the Grinch. And sometimes in life, we can let situations make our hearts smaller and smaller until we feel like we have no heart at all. And that's despair. No hope, no heart. Now, don't get me wrong. That's different than mourning and grief because I believe that a part of hope because it's more than a feeling hope is not just always being up hope is also grief it's also mourning I learned from the combat losses in the units that I've been a part of that mourning and grief come to us all and it's normal to grieve those that you care about, those that you love, those that you treasure. And that does not mean you have to go down the tunnel of despair. You can actually still resil, bounce back, recover from those losses with an overall sense of hope. It's important to feel those feelings, think those thoughts, go through those experiences because that's what it means to be human, to experience all the ups and downs, all the joys and successes and triumphs, but also the setbacks, the losses, the grief, the mourning. But it doesn't have to turn into despair. We see that modeled by Simeon and Anna. Let's take a little closer look at Simeon's life. Simeon, the Bible says, was a righteous and devout man. He was a good man. Uh, Luke is very careful to pay attention to detail and give us little glimpses into each person to show us that they're real people and what was unique about them. And Simeon was righteous and devout. He was devoted. He was so devoted that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, you've got to realize this is before Jesus came and gave the Holy Spirit to all who believe. This is when the Holy Spirit was upon select individuals for a specific purpose. So the Spirit had come upon Simeon and given him a promise. It was revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon had lived his whole long life in eager expectation, longing for the day when he would see the Christ. Physically see the Christ in front of him. And so that meant that every day Simeon got up and he got dressed and he had his breakfast and he said his prayers and he read his Hebrew scriptures and he went to the temple 
thinking, is this the day? Is today the day that I see the promise fulfilled, that I see the Christ? In other words, he had a spirit of searching. And that's something that should characterize all of our lives as disciples of Christ, is that we're on a lifelong journey, a lifelong search, following Jesus. Yes, we've found him, and he's the great treasure. He's the pearl of great price. He's the treasure buried in the field that we, we buy the field to possess the treasure. And along the journey of following him, there's still more to learn, more to experience, more to discover in our journey as disciples, as followers of Jesus. And Simeon was moved to the temple courts every day, and then one day he meets this little family, Mary and Joseph, who aren't even married yet, and the baby boy, Jesus. And Simeon takes Jesus in his arms, and he praises God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you, have, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Let me break this down and just show you the powerful truths in each one of these statements. First of all, this, this little phrase in the Bible is captured in uh, many songs called the Nunc Dimittis. That's Latin for now dismiss. Nunc Dimittis, now dismiss. It's popularized by Handel's Messiah, Simeon's song, Nunc Dimittis. He's come to a place in life where the promise has been realized. He sees the Christ, the Messiah. God has fulfilled his promise that the Spirit gave him. And he says, Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. When I get old, I want to have that kind of spirit. I want to be able to say, Lord, you've been good to me. Lord, I have done my best. I've run the race. I've trusted you and you alone for my salvation. You've done so many good things in my life and in this world so loved by God. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. You know, and that starts now. Not just when you get old. I remember when we were younger, young bucks running around being all wild and everything, we would always think, church, who needs that? That's for old people. But what old people have who are in church that young people need is hope. We all need hope, and we all need that peace that comes from trusting in Christ and knowing that God loves us. God is for us and not against us. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon also says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I'm looking at him, the baby Jesus. I'm looking at Thousands of years of prophecy fulfilled in the birth of this child right in front of me. I've been longing for this day my whole life. And what's important about this is he says, this is the light to the Gentiles. Back up the truck. Wait a minute. Light to the Gentiles? Why is Simeon, a good Jew, talking about Gentiles? This is long before the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. This is long before the dispersion of the church a few chapters later in the book of Acts when the Spirit was given and the church went all over Asia Minor spreading the good news and sharing the Spirit with others. 
This is when the Spirit was concentrated on Israel, the chosen people, the Jews. And yet, Simeon got it. He read the Hebrew Scriptures that spoke about the promise of salvation for more than just the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for all nations, for people from every tribe, language, tongue, and nation. That is the promise. That is the gift of God through Jesus Christ, is that salvation is not just for one tribe, one ethnicity, one little specific religious denomination, but the Christ is for everyone who believes. And here's the double bonus. He is the glory of the people of Israel. He is the fulfillment of the promises. He is the Christ who was revealed through Israel, through the Hebrew Scriptures, to be the Son of God. So Simeon sees all that, and he's prophesying that into the life of this young family and this little child, Jesus. Simeon blesses them and says these additional words to Mary. This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many. This will be a sign spoken against so that the hearts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. Beautiful, powerful, loving words and hard words at the end to hear, I'm sure, for that young mother. I'm sure she wondered her whole life, what does it mean? What did Simeon mean when he spoke about a sword piercing my soul? What did he mean when he spoke about my baby boy causing the rising and falling of many? What Mary did not know, did not see coming, was that people would love Jesus, but people would also hate Jesus. People would embrace him and welcome him, and people would drive him out of town. People would praise him and greet him with shouts of Hosanna, and then turn right around the next day and shout, crucify. Jesus causes the rising of falling of many. I think of a couple of people just come to my mind from the New Testament. One is Legion. Legion had so many demons that they couldn't count them all, so they just called him Legion, which means many. And Legion would cry at night and cut himself with stones. He lived in the catacombs in the cemetery. And Jesus went there and encountered him. And Jesus was not afraid, and he engaged him. And he touched that man's life, and he drove those demons out. And when the disciples came and found Jesus sitting with Legion, they found him sitting clothed and in his right mind. What a powerful story that shows the rising of this man. And another man that comes to mind is Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, bright, ambitious, uh, powerful, full of political ambitions. And he was the one who had the power. And he's the one that made the decision to crucify Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. And what he didn't see is that he was bringing about his own falling. The Bible describes Jesus as a stumbling stone, that when we encounter Christ, we stumble and we either fall and stay fallen or he picks us up. He raises us up and gives us new 
new life. He causes the falling and rising of many and a sign that is spoken against. And you'll hear people, even from time to time in America, say really unbelievable things about Jesus and about Christianity and about Christmas even. He's a sign that is spoken against so that the hearts of many will be revealed. And then this sword, this piercing that Mary is thinking about for her whole life is realized when she looks up one day and sees her precious innocent child, now a grown man with his arms spread wide on the cross, suffering, suffocating, bleeding, dying in pain for the sins of the world. What she may or may not have realized in that moment of suffering and grief and trauma was that Jesus was purchasing her salvation as well, just as he purchased my salvation and your salvation through his suffering. So though her soul was pierced, her soul was healed through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus our Lord. That's the story of Simeon, and Anna must have been standing right there, right by, watching this happen, and she steps forward and says, it's my turn. Anna was a prophetess, uh, a daughter of Phenuel, of the tribe of Asher. This just gives us, again, Luke, Luke the historian, giving us background on his historical research to show us she's a real person from a real clan in Israel. Here are the witnesses that could speak about her life. She was very old. She was married for seven years. Her husband died and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. 84 years old, and she got up every day and got dressed and had her breakfast and went to the temple. And some days she didn't even eat because she was fasting and praying. She worshiped night and day, fasting and praying at the temple. And she was also longing to see Jesus. And when she heard Simeon, take the lead and announce, Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. She, something leapt inside of her, and she said, wow, this is him. I have a role here too. And so coming up to them at that moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Anna became the first female evangelist. Think about that. We already had the shepherds who went out to share the good news of everything that they had seen as the angel told them to, where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now in Jerusalem, Anna right away goes around telling everybody about Jesus, about this child, that he's the promised fulfillment of all the prophecies and that he is the redemption of Israel. So Simeon spoke about consolation. Anna speaks about redemption. Consolation is comfort. Isaiah said, comfort, comfort ye my people. Let them know that their sins are paid for and that their hard work is done. That was Isaiah who prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years earlier and Again, this longing of the people of Israel, this longing of Simeon, this longing of Anna. When will our sins be paid for? How will our suffering and our hard work to save ourselves be resolved? 
And here this promised child comes to end, to be the fulfillment of that longing, of the consolation and the redemption. Redemption has to do with redeeming, paying prices, setting people free. And so Jesus comes to redeem Jerusalem, to redeem the people of God so that there's no price that we have to pay. Jesus has paid it all. Amen? And when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So let me ask you a question this morning. What is worth waiting for a lifetime? What's worth waiting for a lifetime? I hope it's more than just work a job, get your retirement, and I'm done. Hopefully there's more that motivates and inspires you to continue to live with a sense of purpose. Simeon waited a lifetime to see the Christ. He had this promise in his spirit, I'm going to see Jesus before I die. And when he did, he could say, Lord, may may now dismiss your servant in peace. Anna waited a lifetime to announce good news. Every day she's going to the temple, looking, searching, longing. Is this the day? There he is. I've seen the Christ. He's here. Our promised redemption has arrived. It won't be long now. And Mary waited a lifetime for a sword to pierce her own soul, which actually purchased her own soul as well. But what's waiting... What are you waiting for? What's, what's worth waiting a lifetime for? And how do you get there? I think what is unique about Simeon and Anna is the gift of hope. Hope is a very powerful force. Viktor Frankl, who was a psychologist in the 20th century, as a child and as a young man was a prisoner in a concentration camp during the Holocaust of Nazi Germany. And Viktor Frankl said, even though we're prisoners, even though we're locked away, even though they've taken away all of our freedoms, we still have one point of dignity left. And that is, between every stimulus and every response, there's a moment of freedom where we can exercise our free will, to choose how we will respond. So when something happens to us, it doesn't automatically trigger an emotional response, an out-of-control reaction. But we have that moment where we get to choose how we will will respond to the stimulus, to what's happening around us. And that, in essence, defines our humanity. It gives us dignity, and that's how Viktor Frankl survive the Holocaust. Where does our hope come from? That's a beautiful picture from a a humanist psychologist, but there's something even deeper for us. From the scriptures, it says in Romans 5, 4, we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Wow, this is really foreign to us, alien to us as Americans. We don't like suffering. As soon as we're suffering, we want to immediately resolve it. We want 
I'm in pain, stop the pain now. And we don't really know how to suffer very well when we are suffering. But suffering produces good things in us. And it's not that I want to suffer, but Peter does say in 1 Peter, consider it pure joy, brothers, whenever you experience these sufferings. Because God is working in your struggle. God is working to develop your character, to develop perseverance, and ultimately to develop hope in your soul so that you will know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Ever, 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 never, ever, never, ever. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. And you know your destiny and you know the one who loves you. Another place in Romans chapter 8, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So when I look at Anna and Simeon, I don't just see a couple of old folks stumbling, stumbling around, crazy people, what are they doing with their lives? I see people who are motivated by hope that comes from character that was refined in perseverance and suffering. I see people who are longing for something worth waiting for for a lifetime. I see people who are waiting patiently for God to reveal and fulfill his promises in their lives. Hope takes a lifetime. You know, children don't have a lot of hope. It runs out real quick. Young people don't have a lot of hope. It gets tested. As we grow in life, hope that is reality-based. In other words, we're in touch with our sufferings. We're in touch with the difficulties, the hardships, the challenges of life, and we're still growing and motivated and striving to achieve our life purpose. Hope takes a lifetime to develop. But as we go along, hope motivates our devotion and our righteousness. Hope waits for consolation and redemption. Hope longs for promises to be fulfilled. Hope inspires gratitude. That was Anna's first words. Thanks be to God for the gift of this child. Hope empowers sharing the good news. Anna was the first female evangelist to go around and share the good news of Christ with others. Hope endures for a lifetime, and hope welcomes eternity. Because we have hope, we have a sense of where we're going, we have a sense that the journey is a, day, is a daily possibility to see how God's going to do new things in our lives. So, brothers and sisters, you can wake up again every day and you can just think, well, it's just another, another day, nothing special, nothing extraordinary. Or you can wake up every day with a sense of expectation. Today is a new day with new possibilities. I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to love him and worship him and serve him and serve others and love others 
And along the way, I know that the Lord's going to sustain me and fulfill his promises in my life until the day when I can say, Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for nurturing the gifts of faith, hope, and love in us. We pray that we will be a people of hope that do not despair, but trust in you and love you through all the ups and downs of life. In this Christmas season, Lord, we pray that hope will grow stronger in us so that we will be motivated that we will be motivated to be devout and righteous, that we will long for promises fulfilled, that we'll be inspired with gratitude, that we'll share the good news, that we will endure and be faithful for a lifetime until we welcome eternity when you bring the kingdom of God in its fullness. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you.